0: And I remember buying packets of this uh, Sainsbury's pre-made carbonara and, uh, and, yeah. and just getting a massive pot and pouring all this uh, all these packets of microwaved balls spaghetti carbonara into the big pot and then grating some cheese. And as people were walking in, just like, oh, I've just finished putting this all Hiding together. Hiding the packets, like, exactly, the empty packets. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, hoping no one looks in the bin.
1: Hello and welcome to The Joyful Drinker, a podcast for anyone that drinks that wants to drink a little less. I'm your host, Ellie Webb, and I believe that if we all drank a little less each week, we'd all feel a whole lot better. Through honest conversations and real life stories, I'm on a mission to uncover the benefits of taking a few more alcohol-free days each week. By sharing my guests' own perspectives on balance and moderation, I hope we can all take away some inspiration and learn from the powerful habits they picked up along the way. If you're curious about the benefits that balanced drinking can bring to your week, then pour yourself a glass of something tasty and let's meet today's guest. On today's podcast, we are joined by the wonderful Jennifer Medhurst, a superstar registered nutritionist and founder of Jennifer Medhurst Nutrition, a private nutrition clinic in London. Welcome and hi Jennifer, a huge huge welcome and thank you for being here today. I'm very, very excited to chat to you. So you're actually known as the Imperfect Nutritionist. Tell me more about what that means.
0: So I was training to be um, a lawyer and then I got very sick with something called Chronic Fatigue Syndrome, um, which used to be known as ME. And it was through that that I started looking more into my nutrition and my health and um, discovered cooking and the process and a love of cooking and a love of nutrition Um, but I was constantly searching for recipes and I found there was a real shortage of recipes that were actually accessible they usually used to involve a lot of really um, hard to find ingredients and I used to joke I was like gosh not everyone lives next to Whole Foods and Mm. I didn't want to spend an hour or so running around after work trying to find difficult ingredients that I maybe didn't know how to cook with that would then sit in my cupboard for months on end Um, and so I felt like there were a lot of I felt like the health elite was being spoken to, the people that know how to cook and do everything perfectly and have grown up with you know, a perfect organic diet and understand how to do these things. I felt like they were being catered for. And then if you're someone that eats junk food the whole time, that you weren't interested in this stuff anyway, so it didn't mm-hmm. matter. But I didn't really feel like there was anyone talking to the middle people, the people in the grey, the imperfect people, as I call them, the people that don't do everything perfectly but just want to uh, live their life uh, to the best of their abilities and be as healthy as they possibly can, but also don't want to compromise uh, the standards they're living there's a lot of um, people that feel that actually like that health uh, to be healthy is to be really boring and to give up your life mm-hmm. and to not have fun anymore and actually what I wanted to do was to really empower people to say you can still do everything that you want to do with your life but just here's accurate information that's going to help um, inform you to live the best version of your life possible Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of the idea behind the Imperfect Nutritionist was that actually if you're not a perfect person if you do make mistakes and you don't get everything right the whole time that actually you can still be healthy and to try and make it more exclusive um, more accessible for people and less exclusive so I, th- I started formulating recipes that were all based around accessible ingredients that you could actually pick up from your local supermarket on the way home yeah. that you could cook relatively simply within 20 to 30 minutes of getting home and that actually also happened to taste good I'm a massive foodie at the heart of everything that I do and so it's really important to me that food tastes good like it's your evenings entertainment when you get home as well you know you don't want to come home after a hard day's work and have a boring meal you want it to taste really delicious Mm -hmm. and then also on the side like that it happens to be nutritious as well so this was the premise around all of the recipes that I started um, uh, creating and um, yeah it really resonated with people because I think there's a lot of people that feel like they don't do everything perfectly but they just want to do a bit better and so that's who I tried to talk to yeah I
1: completely relate to what you're saying i think for me from a drinks perspective i was the same as you i wanted to make not drinking more accessible to more mm-hmm. people because my own experience i found i would go out to bars and restaurants and not want to drink alcohol mm-hmm. and be met with uh, a diet coke or a glass of water or squash or a 20 and there were just things i didn't really want to be mm-hmm. drinking i wanted grown-up alternatives to alcohol mm-hmm. um And just like you, didn't feel like it was accessible. So I completely resonate with with what you're saying there. Um, Obviously, this is called The Joyful Drinker Mm -hmm. podcast. So we talk about all kinds of things, food included, drinking, health and well-being. I'd love to know what your relationship is like with things like alcohol.
0: Think actually the idea of the imperfect nutritionist actually fits in really well with that question because actually the thing is i would say that alcohol offers absolutely no nutritional benefits whatsoever and is essentially a negative mm. um nutritionally speaking yeah but it's obviously alcohol is not just we sh- we're not just looking at alcohol in terms of nutritional perspective alcohol is also how you socialize and there's arguments for You know, socializing is very beneficial for your mental health. And so, therefore, it could have a positive impact on your health in that respect. It also helps people relax as well. And so that could be an argument for having a positive effect. But nutritionally speaking, it doesn't offer any benefits. It's definitely a negative. And um, I think as a society, we've definitely um, probably created too central a role for alcohol in terms of how we socialize. And I think it was really interesting what you just said about the fact that when you went out and you didn't want to drink, there weren't really that many options. One thing that I really love is that now there are starting to be more options on things that actually not drinking is um, more socially acceptable now and it's less kind of frowned upon and there, there are more options for you if you don't don't want to drink. And um, mm. so my relationship with alcohol has definitely changed as a kind of classic classic. Um, British person who grew up you know with uh, probably you know wh- wine wine with Sunday lunch and I definitely grew up with alcohol like wine and beer and then obviously I went to university and like most people probably overindulged a bit at university yeah and, um, <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean um, and then, then kind of wound it back more as you know I've matured and that also I've kind of understand more about the health implications and actually I think I think a lot of it is also kind of finding other ways to to relax and to socialize and not just relying on only that as well Mm. um and I think kind of probably also being more comfortable in myself and who I am and not feeling like I needed alcohol as a crutch or something in a social situation I know definitely when I was younger you know you kind of going to parties and things like you feel like you need that um Dutch courage to kind of to be able to socialize in a comfortable way. But I don't feel like I need that now. I know that I can go out and have a really great evening without alcohol. It's not I'm not drinking alcohol to to calm myself down or to enhance my enjoyment in terms of being able to socialize. It's actually because I really do enjoy a glass of wine with my food and or really good I really appreciate the kind of the craft that goes into different ales and things and so just appreciating it more as a treat and actually this really fits in with my ethos when it comes to nutrition as well. There are certain things that uh, are the fundamentals of diets like obviously vegetables and whole grains and things like that um, and things like meat and animal products while I eat, do eat them it's understanding that they're more of a treat and not uh, something that you should be having a couple of times a day and so I try and apply the same ethos to alcohol as well. I think it's fine to consume it um, but again just as realising it's a treat and it's, it does definitely have a, a detrimental effect on your health but then to counterbalance that with other elements um No
1: it's it's so interesting what you what you say I think anything in too high a quantity is not necessarily and it also depends on the reason that you're you know you're using it like you alluded to if you're using it for dutch courage or you're using it to kind of you know as a stress reliever mm. and you're kind of too heavily dependent on it that's never going to be never going to be great but if you you view it as a treat or something you have occasionally and you know the reason that for me that was the reason that I decided to cut back because I felt like it was getting to a point where I was drinking excessively Mm. and for for the wrong reasons and so actually just cutting that out for a, a little while even if it's just a week or a month or a year you know everyone has a different approach to it yeah I mean what when you, you look say? at the
0: cold hard facts about it I mean yeah as I said alcohol ap- offers absolutely no nutritional benefits you can definitely see there's a lot of data that supports like negative uh, effects on your brain with long term alcohol consumption as well like there's there's no argument for it I mean in, in an ideal world we really wouldn't consume alcohol I say this as someone that does consume alcohol yeah. so but I, I think it's really important to be conscious of the fact of those facts that it does have a negative effect on, on your health that overconsumption is associated with cancer um, and long-term effects on your brain health but then as I said I feel like that can be counterbalanced by the fact that it brings us together it's a social thing um it enhances your enjoyment and happiness and and that that offers that offers mental health benefits Mm. so it's really about kind of uh, having that accurate information and making your own decision about what's right for you um because ultimately we all want to look back on our life and say that's That's how I wanted to live it. And those are the choices that I made. And what I try and do is empower people with good, accurate information to make the decisions that they feel are right for their life. It's not for me to decide for someone else. But I think what always upsets me is when people come and see me in my clinic and they think they're being really healthy and they're doing all the best, Things possible for their health, but actually, this don't have the right information. So it's like if you know the facts, then you then you're consciously making a decision. Like actually, I think alcohol's an important part of my life, and this is how I want to engage with people, and I'm willing to take that on, at potentially a longer term like health consequence. But then there's also things to bear in mind, like for example. When you drink alcohol, it particularly depletes B3 and zinc. So just Mm -hmm. to be mindful of trying to have a meal that's rich in B3 and zinc before you drink – Um, So that would be things like um, prawns with quinoa uh, or salmon with brown rice are really good things to eat before you drink. Um, And then also to be mindful about the fact that you'll probably be dehydrated. So trying to consume something that's uh, rich in electrolytes, Um, you know, trying to support your body the next day, maybe having a nap as well because alcohol disturbs sleep. There's just things like that to be mindful for if you are going to mindful about if you are going to consume alcohol.
1: Yeah, because... You specialise in gut health, yes. energy, sleep, yeah. and immunity, as well as weight management and female health. I'm guessing—well, we're not guessing—we've talked about it. Alcohol doesn't help with a number of those no. things, <laughs> um, particularly sleep. Um, I think that's for me the biggest impact is around sleep. When I, if I, even if I find now, if I have a few glasses of something, my sleep is more often than not. A little bit disturbed. Yes. Do you find a lot of your clients experience that?
0: Yes. I mean, this—it's it's one of those things that, like, alcohol does uh, affect your sleep that's kind of that's a fact i mean obviously everyone's different for example you know there are some people that uh, genetically don't produce the enzyme that you need to um process uh, and digest alcohol so therefore they're really they they kind of they would find it very difficult to drink also your tolerance goes up with the amount that you consume as well you know i had a client um married couple and they were kind of in their 70s and they had a habit of in the evening they would split a bottle of wine together mm-hmm. and it's like who am i to say don't don't drink that they read that was something they loved doing together yeah. that was the real highlight of their day and it that i feel like you know that that would be wrong of me to say you can't do that kind of thing it was much more about supporting everything that was going on around that because for them that was a real bonding experience and i felt that that was probably good for their mental health but i give the accurate information you allow them to make their own decision with that
1: yeah i like that it kind of gives it empowers people to make their own decision on what's right for them because i think so many people think it's so black and white you can't do this you can't do that but everyone's different yeah everyone's different um I've been doing some digging before yeah. before this episode and as well as having delicious looking recipes on your website, you also share quick, healthy recipes and hacks on TikTok. Yes. They all made me feel very, very hungry. <laughs> um, you've got hundreds of thousands of followers and millions of likes. How has this platform helped you deliver your message
0: god okay i love tiktok i really i really really do um it's been a fantastic platform um to me i uh i started the lockdown was uh I think over two years ago and things obviously really I mean the lockdown what I find interesting about the lockdown is that we all had an identical global experience which was a pandemic but we all had our totally unique experience within that pandemic and for me I really kind of doubled down on my work and I was so important to me I thought well everything's I moved my entire clinic online as you had to back then Um, and still majority of it is online actually so moved my entire clinic online and then I thought gosh well if everything's online now then social media is going to be a really big priority so i should prioritize that and what's the major growth platform at the moment tiktok so i thought i'll just start a tiktok account up (laughs) and i started making healthy recipes and videos um and tips, and they really resonated with people super, really, really quickly. And very soon, some videos had gone viral. And um, then I was actually very lucky that TikTok ended up reaching out to me because TikTok's trying to change from a dance platform into an educational platform. Yeah. They reached out to me and they asked me if I'd like to become one of the first TikTok partners in the UK. So then I partnered directly with TikTok, helping them develop educational content for the platform, which was so interesting and amazing, and um, really enjoyed that. And uh, and I think it it just kind of it gave me an insight into the social media world and also just allowed me to connect with so many other people. And then actually Instagram launched reels, which is obviously very similar to TikTok. So then I started making reels and then my Instagram following grew too. And, I think it's just, it's just really nice to connect with like-minded people mm. and also to be able to help people en mass because there's so much stuff that I notice in my clinic that the same issues that people are dealing with over and over and over again and obviously not everyone can afford to come and see a nutritionist and so I think it's really lovely to be able to share some of those like, fundamental truths yeah. and that uh, fundamental information on a wider scale and it's really nice when I get messages back people being like oh I've just started cooking your recipes and already I feel so much better like it's wonderful to be able to affect positive change on on scale so that's why I really am thankful to both of those platforms
1: and I feel like it goes back to what you were saying earlier about creating accessible recipes everything about TikTok is and that sort of type of social media platform is that it's quick easy short sharp quick easy to consume Mm -hmm. and I've I've learned so much from from that platform already I mean there's a lot of stuff on there that's not educational Yes, (laughs) but the stuff that is educational I feel like you can consume that in a really easy way Uh, so I feel like it's the perfect perfect outlet for you
0: yeah it's interesting I think having been so involved in TikTok for so long now because it's definitely evolved uh, Mm. as a platform massively and I think because there's so many more people on it the the competition between um, different creators has gone up like tenfold yeah. and um, so it's it's only really highly kind of engaging content that rises to the top which is one of the reasons I love the platform in the mm-hmm. first place you just you only see the stuff that you, that is really good yeah. um, but it does mean that I think as a kind of an educator it's a bit tougher because <laughs> maybe educational stuff isn't necessarily quite as interesting and so I think the challenge for me is always to keep it really snappy and really interesting while still trying to help actually inform people because yeah. there's little there's I mean I I find myself going it's so it's so good as a platform I'll go on there to post something and then immediately get so consumed in my feed with all these funny videos that I'm like what did I come on here post, <laughs> <Distractive." distracted. laughs> and I have to remind myself I'm like oh no you're trying to post a video but I think the thing is for me I've really um, I've, I've played around a lot with different mm-hmm. formats in terms of my recipe videos trying to keep them informative because essentially I want people to be able to look at the recipe and be like that's delicious and I know how to cook it whereas yeah. I don't want it to go of so running jokes on TikTok that go, the recipes go so quickly you kind of don't know what's going on yeah and I always want people to be able to to actually make the recipe like download the video you can save all my videos download them come back to them later and actually make it but then also trying to make it really engaging at the same time so it's been mm-hmm. a kind of it's little, a fine balance isn't yeah it? it's like it it's really finding is. the balance but it's, it's fun it's all fun
1: so you also run a, a five-day challenge am I yes. right called the plant fight club where you yeah. teach people healthy principles so they can improve their lives what are some of these healthy habits that people can practice week to week
0: gosh so um I try and keep it really simple so I I, there's nothing dogmatic I'm not dogmatic in my approach at all I try and keep it really simple and also try and empower people with principles that they can follow um and then apply to their own life um, because I don't think you know what works for one person might not work for another and so there's no ultimate rights or wrongs and I think the diet industry had it wrong for quite a long time in terms of the fact that it had this very much one size fits all approach you yeah. know don't eat carbs don't do this it's also really negative and so I'm trying to make the conversation really positive general principles and it's all about adding more in not about taking away so I try yeah. and kind of focus on these fundamental truths things like and, and also things that most people tend to struggle with like Consuming water is one that most people tend to struggle with. Um, Obviously, this is so cliche as a nutritionist, but eating more fruits and vegetables, which that, that is obviously really a, a nutritionist cliche thing to say, but it's like actually helping people do that. So educating people about, for example, eating a rainbow, um, which I don't know. Some people have heard of, some people haven't.
1: I haven't. No, I haven't heard of it. So what does that mean.
0: so I could say to you, yeah, you got to eat more fruits and veg and you'd be like, yeah, I know that. But then I could say to you, okay, actually you've got to try and eat a rainbow, which means that looking at the different colors of fruits and vegetables that you're eating. So oh. actually, because different colors of fruits and vegetables denote a different array of nutrients. So, So blue is different to red, is different to yellow. They all have different uh, nutritional benefits and properties to them. So what I try and encourage my clients to do and my followers to do is to try and when they look at their plate have three different colors of vegetables on there. So people tend to, maybe they love their peas and they love their carrots, so that's green and orange but let's put some red in there, you know, so maybe adding some tomatoes. So encouraging people to look at their plate in a different way and empowering them to kind of go, oh, actually with that information, right, okay, I've only got two colours on there, I'll add in another. Also something that really um, we see a lot of, a big problem with now is is diversity. So your gut microbiome, the health of your gut microbiome is defined by how diverse it is. And it's only going to be diverse if you're consuming a diverse um array of different uh, plant fibres. And we really struggle with variety. Like the variety of our diet has gone down something, I mean, I'm going to make, I'll I'll be making a statistic up, but it's significantly something like 70% or something since the 1920s. Just because we've really streamlined the farming processes, you know, only certain um, strains, varieties of plants have been chosen and they're just farmed, farmed, farmed. You know, for example, orange carrots. There's actually lots of different varieties of orange carrots. of, Of No, of carrots, but we only we only farm this yeah, particular I
1: think one I, I ate purple carrots purple ones. carrots,
0: yellow yeah. carrots and so you've got yeah you've got different colors you've got different varieties and all of that would mean different um a different uh, a variety of um plant fibers in your gut but now we only consume just this one 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 variety that's right. because it's easy to grow and that's what's kind of been selected so we've for taken the, the easy
1: route through farming
0: and that's led to kind of a lack of
1: diversity in our. In our diet. massively
0: so it's actually it's actually pretty hard work to consume a diverse diet now because there's just not that diversity on the on the supermarket shelves anymore and so many people you know people human beings you know we're intrinsically trying to go for the path of least resistance so we like to eat the same things over and over again so it's like naturally we've not we're not choosing from as many different products and we're only eating a very small selection of things within those limited products mm. so it means that the the diversity of our diets massively gone down so it's just trying to encourage people to open up the repertoire of their diet which saying to them okay you need to eat different colors of fruits and vegetables Then are maybe going to add something in that they weren't necessarily thinking about but then also building on that one step further like you know what whole grains do you consume you know maybe people consume oats in the morning don't forget about rice quinoa you know things like that trying to add more in and all of that together the diversity and the different colors of fruits and vegetables all kind of leads to a much healthier overall picture for your health
1: yeah I love that I mean I'm a big fan of color so I'm just thinking my head now what vegetables different colour vegetables I can put on my my next dinner plate that's a really really good good way to look at it. People
0: find it really helpful and I always try and encourage people when they're in the supermarket to look at their trolley, look at their basket and see how many different kinds of different colors have I got in there? How many mm. different types of vegetables have I got in there? You'll be amazed at how many people just want to eat like broccoli and carrot, broccoli and carrot, broccoli and carrot. Yeah. And it's like actually there's so Default. many different um vegetables and fruits out there and with my clients I give them tables, just like lists with all the different colors and then all the different vegetables and fruits and those and, and people forget they're like, "Oh my god, I forgot about aubergine, I forgot about this, yes. I forgot about that." I was just thinking about yeah. aubergine. <laughs> And also actually, all of this leads to a, a, like a much tastier diet as well. Because you're like, when you've got all these different yeah. fruits and vegetables in there, it's actually like, whoa, that's a much different taste to just eating these two things the whole time. Yeah, completely right. Mm.
1: I'm interested to know what what's your opinion on things like cheat days?
0: Cheat days. Okay, so again, this is a kind of what I try and really do in my clinic is get rid of these like um like all or nothing mindsets. Yeah, there's no like right or wrong, and so for me, the idea of a cheat day implies that there's a non cheat day, and it kind of creates this idea of extremes. Whereas actually, what I want to do is for people to to be able to eat. Well, not whatever they want when they want, but not to have to be fluctuating between these two things. Yeah. So I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the idea of cheat days. I try and say like, right, w- what is the thing that you love that you feel is is cheat? Because also the thing is, you've got to remember the mentality around a cheat day. It's like if you say if it's the body, like or the brain, you can't have that. Immediately yeah. it wants that. Yeah. So it's kind of removing that idea that this this is something naughty or a treat because then it also loses its power in the brain as well. So so trying to yeah trying to change people's mentality around that and also make them focus more on these other things because things if you're consuming a diet that's rich in like whole foods you've got less less time To fill it with all these kind of other, maybe less uh less desirable, less nutritious foods. You don't crave them as much. So trying to remove that mentality. Um, I'm trying to veer away from like pointing the finger at specific foods, but it tends to be processed carbohydrates. You have two types of carbohydrates. You've got complex carbohydrates uh, and simple carbohydrates. Complex carbohydrates tend to be more the whole grains, rice, Mm. oats, and then the simple carbohydrates tend to be our kind of crumpets and crisps and cakes and things Mm. like that and um, they're low nutritional value and they're very easily absorbed in the body so they tend to shoot blood sugar up um, and then that causes blood sugar to plummet right down which causes cravings which is why you probably want to eat more of them which is kind of going to beget this whole you know cheat day and I want more and cravings and things whereas actually if you're putting those foods if you really if there's certain foods that you really enjoy like that if you're mixing them up in amongst a kind of uh, um, a more kind of nutritious day of food you're not going to get such a significant blood blood spike which means you're not going to get such a big drop which means you're not going to get the craving so you can kind of you can you'll be you'll naturally want to consume them in a more moderate way and yeah. a less extreme way and
1: probably eat less of them yeah,
0: too yeah <laughs> i know i, I can I completely get that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to know, so we've talked about kind of weekly habits and, and, and the ways we can approach looking at, at food and drink. And by the way, I think when you look at drinking, similar similar principle applies. People tend to kind of go, um, if they are trying to moderate, be like, I'm not going to drink alcohol during the week, but then binge on a, on a Friday or Saturday, which mm-hmm. actually... It's better off, really, if you just have maybe a few drinks during the week and then not binge on, on the Friday or Saturday night, for example. So it's yeah. not such a high and a low. But, you know, each to their own and everyone's on their kind of their own journey with, with food and drink. I'm interested to know
0: what are two or three things that personally bring you joy? One thing I really enjoy is going from a morning walk I really relish that, actually. The reason I'm slightly hesitant is just because the weather's been so terrible. (laughs) Uh, You're a fair weather walker. (laughs) (laughs) A bit of a fair weather walker. It can it can switch to an afternoon walk, but there's just something. There's actually something really nice about doing it at the beginning of the day to set your day up. Yeah. Uh, be it since the clocks move forward it's been a lot easier to do because getting yourself out when it's like pitch black and freezing cold and wet is really tough it's actually Mm -hmm. nice to go in the afternoon when it's lighter but yeah I'm really enjoying now that the clocks have gone forward and um and we can go out for morning walks and the weather's a bit nicer. I feel it actually just gives me a time, a bit of time to reflect and uh, meditate on like what the day is going to look like, yeah. uh, which which is really enjoyable before it all kind of gets really crazy and totally goes off the uh, original plan. <laughs> Do
1: you know what, I'm the same. I am definitely trying to get outside first thing in the morning mm. and just get that natural light and that perspective before you kind of go into the the chaos of the day yeah sometimes my days are quite chaotic sometimes they're not but I feel like starting your day off with that morning walk and that fresh air yeah it's never a bad way I love that
0: and um, also I mean another thing that's really important to me is my relationships my friendships and um, I really that morning walk can be a great opportunity to give someone a call (laughs) just my friends will be rolling their eyes now really nice and early in the morning first thing (laughs) hearing from me (laughs) 6am yeah exactly hi hi. (laughs) Um, but also on that note I really enjoy one of the reasons one of the first reasons I ever fell in love with cooking was that I found that because I used to be an absolute terrible cook like it was a running joke what an awful cook I was yeah which is so it's been quite It was quite a, a, an interesting turnaround for me but I used to uh, lo- I love bringing people together in one place and I noticed that actually when um, I got to good uh, cooking and brought people together over good food as opposed to um, oh my god that's an awful story from university <laughs> well I lo- I've always loved having dinner parties but I've not been a good cook yeah and I remember buying packets of this uh, Sainsbury's pre-made carbonara do you remember in the in the, <laughs> the microwaveable pack remember it's still there I'm sure and uh, and yeah. and just getting a massive pot and pouring all this uh, all these packets of microwavable spaghetti carbonara into the big pot and then grating some cheese and as people were walking in just put, kind of sprinkling the cheese on top of of the, uh, the microwaveable macaroni cheese slaved over this yeah. meal all car- evening yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so, Microwavable carbonara in a bowl I'm there sprinkling the cheese over as everyone walks in just like oh I've just finished putting this all together hiding the packets hiding, the exactly, empty packets exactly hoping no one looks in the bin <laughs> so those were my university cooking skills um, and obviously things changed quite a lot thank- thankfully but I did notice that people really enjoyed coming together a lot more over good food than over my mm. microwave carbonara <laughs> uh, and so i really i really enjoy cooking i enjoy the process of cooking i find it very therapeutic and also i enjoy the end result which is seeing people come together and enjoy hopefully enjoy the food <laughs> maybe they've just got better at faking it <laughs> well interestingly this
1: is actually linked to my uh, last and final question which is my wild card question which is mm. slightly different for for every guest but linked to what you just said so i'm coming over and you're cooking dinner uh-huh. what are we having
0: Oh, oh, gosh. So, I mean, the thing is with me, I, ne- I never cook the same thing twice. Like, it's obviously, I'm quite, it, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a creative in terms of my cooking. So, for me, like, I don't always want to go back to the same recipes. Um, I do, I'm trying to think, what would I cook? Well, I'd maybe ask you, Well, so, what, what, are, your, what are your dietary requirements? Do you have any? I eat anything. <laughs> do you have any favourite types of food? Do you like Fish?
1: I don't eat enough fish actually so probably I'd say fish because it's something that I know I should eat more of and I don't eat enough of. So actually, when I am served fish, I'm really happy because...
0: (laughs) That's good. I do try and quite regularly slide uh, fish, especially the oily fish, which is because I'm always trying to... This is another thing I've spotted in my clinic, is people don't consume enough of the omega-3s. And there's so much research now showing how good omega-3s are for our Mm. overall health. And so that's something I'm always trying to kind of slyly get in there. Uh, So salmon is a great one. It's actually a great dinner party one. What I like to do first is I like to do some kind of sharing board or something. Like loads of different amazing, like cool, um, different types of carrots, different colours of carrots, different weird kinds of like broccoli and cauliflower and all of that. And then do some kind of homemade dip or something in the middle to kind of start with. And then I actually have... uh, Really, one of the the recipes I do cook over and over again is this salmon recipe because it just seems to go down so well and it's so quick. I get like a whole side of salmon and I'll mix together some grated ginger, some fresh chili, some um, mirin. This is like a kind of uh, Japanese uh, rice wine. Mm. And then rice vinegar, um, soy sauce and olive oil. You mix that all together in a bowl and you pour it over the salmon and then you stick that in the oven for about six to eight minutes. I like my salmon still quite kind of raw in the middle. Yeah. And then what I'll serve that with will really vary. But some kind of whole grain, So quinoa goes really well. You can mm. almost make a kind of like a, a, a vegetable quinoa. So t- putting in spring onions or uh, sweet corn, things like that, kind of making almost like a stir fry rice, but with quinoa. Nice. Um, and then some kind of like steamed vegetables, like broccoli or something like that. That all seems to kind of go down quite well. But I mean, again, it does it does usually change. Quite a fair amount. (laughs) I cannot wait to come round for dinner, and
1: also I've just realized I am not nearly adventurous enough with my cooking, so (laughs) I'm gonna have to grab that recipe off you later. Oh, that's good, no problem. (laughs) Jennifer, thank you so much. You've been an amazing guest, it has been super, super insightful to talk to you, and thank you so much for being a joyful drinker.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: You've been listening to The Joyful Drinker, hosted by me, Ellie Webb. There'll be a new episode released every fortnight, so make sure you hit that subscribe button to avoid missing out. Also, just a small reminder that ratings and reviews really help people discover great podcasts. So if you've got some kind words to share, they'd be very much appreciated. In the meantime, come and find me on socials. I'm at Caleno Ellie. I'd love to connect with you all and feedback on the podcast is always welcome. See you next time for another episode of The Joyful Drinker. And remember, if we all drank a little less each week, we'd all feel a whole lot better.